0: Hey, you're listening to Behold, I Tell You a Mystery, with Lori Unruh, where we explore end times revelation about the defeat of death, our last enemy. In these shows, I share teachings about the powers of the age to come, which has come, revelation about the end time church, and how to cultivate your never ending conversation with the Godhead. When Jesus is Lord of your life, your future is all about a relationship. Not a theology, not an organization, not an academic achievement, not a tradition, not even a ministry. Your relationship with the Eternal King is necessarily supernatural, inspiring, and even shocking and hilarious. It is personal and individual, and it is also corporate, as lots of friends come together to fulfill all of our destinies in God. That's what we talk about on Behold. I tell you a mystery.
1: At the end of the last podcast, um, we were talking about receiving, seeking and receiving revelation about our scroll, our book that was written before we were even conceived on earth, our purpose and our calling. And we were looking at um, the commissioning of the Apostle Paul. So let's review that, and then we'll hear the rest of the teaching of that night's lesson uh, for your never-ending conversation with the Godhead. And... um then he picks up the story. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers has chosen thee. Okay, this testimony is there for you. This is This is the same for you. The God of our fathers has chosen thee. That thou shouldest know his will. Does God want you to know his will? Yes. And see that just one, who is Jesus, right? And by the way, this is after Jesus ascended. But he's called to see Jesus, okay? And shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. Same thing we're called to do. Very same thing. At this point in Saul's commissioning or calling, God didn't say, You're going to be a mighty apostle and your letters are going to form the bulk of the canon of the New Testament. You know, he didn't say all that. He said, Know God, see Jesus, hear my voice. And then everything uh, unfolded and developed. Yeah. Yes, he was called for those things, but he didn't know that at the very outset, right? Okay. Um, Uh, Now, I want to tell you how this this thing can envelop. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how a correction of my heart turned into a call, which led to an assignment, which ministered to me and opened a new realm to me, which developed into an office, the authority of which carries demon-busting power in the spirit realm and gives glory to God in all realms, which I know is the bride of Christ stepping into her identity, but it started with God corrected me. Isn't that amazing? And then there's this thread of development. You have the same testimony; you just haven't seen it that way yet. Maybe okay. So uh, I had a very bad experience when I was a pa- at one time when I was a pastor because uh, I was pastoring a church with my then husband, and our relationship was so horrible that I did not enjoy the pastoring. I didn't enjoy him pastoring me either. Okay. So it was so it was so um, not fun. That what got into my heart was, I never want to be a pastor. Well, that wasn't really the issue, was it? But that's what developed in my mind and the set my mindset in my heart. The last thing I'd want to be is a pastor. I don't want to be a pastor, okay? Well, God was listening to that. Suddenly, one day, he says, I wasn't even talking about it. Hadn't said it in a long time. Nothing. Doesn't, timing didn't make mean anything. But he decides to take it up with me one day. Oh, he, this, that's how Jesus sounded to me. Oh, you don't want to be a pastor? I'm a pastor. I'm the good shepherd. I went, I repent. I repent. (laughs) Of course, I will be a pastor if you want me to be a pastor. Okay, now I still don't think I'm called to be a pastor necessarily, but I know that I must have a heart of a good shepherd if I'm going to do anything with God's people because what he said right after that was, and this was not sweet as sweet as the rest of it. All of it was sweet, but he said, you can't minister anything to my people if you're not going to be a pastor. Well, I can appreciate that, because I don't want people ministering to me who don't have a pastor's heart, do you? So that was like, wow, he corrected me just like that. I still don't think I'm called, I don't, I don't think that's my major calling, let me put it that way, but I thought I was very much corrected in how my heart needs to be if I'm going to ever minister anything, okay? After he said that, and I and I agreed to be a pastor, last Sunday he was telling me about, I shouldn't use the word complaint, but he was telling me about some things he was putting on his that were bothering him about pastors. Now, I do not believe that, these are, that our pastors have any of this. But I'm talking about the general pastors in the general church, the, the general group that calls themselves the church, okay? Let me put it that way. And he says, they've made the sheep their idols. They just want to have a whole bunch of them. They don't care about getting them free. They don't care about getting them equipped and sending them out. They just want the money they bring in. They just want the prestige. They want to build a big, you know, ministry, themselves and my people are dying on the vine while sitting in their churches you know and I'm upset about that and I was like God I don't blame you we're all upset about that he said well since you agreed to be a pastor you could repent as a pastor I said yes sir I certainly could so here I'm a pastor in the spirit right (laughs) and I had the privilege of repenting for those very things he told me on behalf of pastors because he wants to save as many of them as he can who as many as will come we know that we know that but we hope most pastors didn't start in it for those reasons right most okay uh but got caught up in the the system systemization of it and the the corporation of it and so forth we hope okay so i repented of the pastors right Then I remembered that one of the very few prophetic words I got through another individual. I prophesy to myself on an almost daily basis. God speaks to me, and I speak it to myself on an almost daily basis. But the the one time I had a prophecy, or one of the few times I had a prophecy from a prophet, another prophet, was coming out of a church service, and this woman turned around, and I knew her to be a prophet. She turned around to me and says, "You're a prophet. Not only are you a prophet, you're a seer prophet." You see what others don't see in the spirit for God's purposes. She says, you're going to go behind the veil, and you're not going to want to come out. But because you have a word for the people, you will come out. You will say hard things that people don't want to hear. And then she said, but you're going to live in an atmosphere. And she just got stuck there. She didn't know how to describe what she was seeing. She says, an atmosphere. You're going to dwell in all I can say is it's an atmosphere. And she kept doing this, you know and god already told me all that so it was very good it was confirmation for me you know so as time unfolded that stuck with me what's this atmosphere what's this atmosphere i'm going to dwell in i know what behind the veil is and i know i don't like to come out of there you know i'm 14 days paying 14 days late paying my bills this month because i can't sit down and do that Natural, of course i can i choose not to because i'd rather go behind the veil and be with jesus right okay um And I began, the Lord began to tell me about an easy yoke. Everywhere I went, everything I did, literally every idea I have, it's like the Holy Spirit would say, and in the easy yoke. And stay in the easy yoke. And make sure you're in the easy yoke. Well, where is that from in the Bible? There you go. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, of course, if you're in the yoke with Jesus, who's going to do all the work? Basically, he is, okay? <laughs> so, slowly, I got to learn what it's like to do everything with very carefree, very carefree, trusting in Jesus to do whatever needed to be done, okay? Um, that's a constant challenge, but it's easier and easier as you go along. And then there's Psalm 91, and Psalm 91 starts with, um, what does Psalm 91 starts with?" start with? He who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And basically under his wing, it says under his wing, got a siren, two sirens, Woohoo! Okay, <laughs> so then they don't like that, in the secret place of the Most High. Okay, and I could see myself as this little person way down in God's armpit. Can you even imagine that? Just way down under that wing, you know. Nothing could touch me. Nothing could affect me. I was that close to God. I mean, we were that close to God and just walking around in that atmosphere. And then, oddly, Psalm 23, which we all know, is actually an atmosphere that you can live in. Not just experience. Like, when I go through the shadow of the death, I shall fear no evil. You're in the shadow of death every single day, all day long. Okay? Every fear comes from that. Okay? But think about he restoreth my soul. Yeah, I got eleven minutes, right, Scott? Okay, seventeen. Okay, just just the restoreth my soul. Do you know what your soul you know what your soul is, right? Your mind, your emotions, your will to live in an atmosphere where God is constantly renewing that and restoring that is is an amazing place to live. You are never without. You're never without your sanity. <laughs> you're never without your peace, you're never without. So when you get a chance, if this, if this is speaking to you, look at Psalm 23 as an ever-present atmosphere, not individual experiences. Does that make sense? I mean, think about that table in the presence of your enemies. Always, right now, never changing. Just stay in that atmosphere. So I don't know how to explain it other than some of those scriptures that try to get us over into that atmosphere. But Psalm 23, all of it is amazing. So uh, when you talk about the offices, Apostle, I, was talk, we were, I was talking to Jordan on the way down here or up here, whichever it is, up or down. There's these offices, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher that people are called to. Okay. Okay. What do you think, what office do you think people are going to have if the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in you? All of them. All of them. Because they are all Jesus Christ, are they not? And when the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in you, all those offices, all those abilities, all that majesty, all that glory, all that honor... All that ability, all that ability. I mean, the Bible will be downloaded. You won't have to look anything up. Did you see what I'm saying? That is that my real car that got us repairs and upgrades when I was customer 749. That was, that's what that really is, okay? But if we stay in the church age, we all have to be divided into different little roles that we play, right? And we argue about them. And we don't, know, we don't all have a common understanding of what they are. Okay, same thing with gifts. Uh, in the 70s, everybody learned about the spiritual gifts, and we had session after session of little uh, surveys. What's your gift? What's your gift? What's your gift? I hated it. I said, I want all of them. Every one. Okay? <laughs> He's a good father. He gives good things to those who ask him, right? I want all of them. Well, if the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in you, how many do you get? All of them the fullness okay so that's where we're going and that's why his church is going to be a mighty church in the last days because this is what he's going to make of us whoa amazing so the little bullet point at the bottom so the overarching goal of all the offices i was going to say pastors but it really is all the offices offices is to get believers and right now we're looking at our new harvest get believers hooked up to their true lifeline experientially prepare for habitation not visitation it's the curriculum amen so if we all come into this leading and we've only scratched the surface it's just the beginning the church of christ will be the great power we were meant to be and need to be isn't that amazing but if we don't if we stay in the church age we get what we've had maybe not even that because that's not what he's doing now somebody say amen Amen. So, this is what our great salvation is, Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we, what? Neglect so great a salvation. Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. And that means individually in our own personal lives, not in a meeting or a service. That means at home your whole life, all your kids yeah, everybody. That's what that really means. Okay. As much as we think we know about our salvation, there is so much more to realize and acquire. See, we think we know what salvation is. We have no real idea. How will you get it? By Jesus appearing to you. By God talking to you. By him opening your scroll. That's how you'll get your so great a salvation. Not well, you're get, you get saved if you do this, and it's once saved, only saved, or it's not once saved, only saved, and it's all this legal stuff that we say to people. Okay, perfect. All right, so I was going to take us back to session one because there was a section where you could have written down the importance of the homework, but I hope you understand what it is. If all of this is for your home life, you know, the homework is the most important thing. We come, get, we come here to get motivated to do the homework, really, and to have some things to do in case we don't know how to spend more time than we have with God. Okay, so the homework is for you to fill that time with God because it's all relevant, it's all good, it's all leading somewhere. But eventually you and God will go off into your own thing, you know, which probably happens now after you start meeting with him, you know. And, you know, many of you have had regular time with the Lord and you, are, you have seen supernatural things. But that's really what it's for. The most important thing is what you do one-on-one at home in your closet, your proverbial closet, your metaphorical closet. And, by the way, you are a portal, when you sit to do these things, you open your gates and your doors, and the Holy Spirit does come in. Jesus does come in and fellowship with you and sup with you and you with him. Okay? And then if you sit in the same room in the same chair every day, guess where's another portal is? Woohoo! It's right there in your house. Amen. So let's look at the homework. I think I'm, I'm, these are just suggestions. You do what you want. I'm never going to read your homework and give you stickers or not. You give yourself a sticker, okay, if you think your sticker is good. We're not collecting them, okay? <laughs> I just say that for fun. It's ideas for what to do when you get with him if you've never done these things, okay? So, one, we want to continue to frame up or pray into our ideal fellowship time with the Lord. So we want to try to meet with him daily. There is some discipline. Of course there is. That's how you show him that you want him. You don't earn it. It's how you show him that you want him, okay? Uh, and you thank and praise and worship him and then sit quietly waiting on him to speak or show you something. Uh, you'll come to know him as your exceeding great reward. That's who he is. Now, you might put in the time of the thanking, praising, reading your scripture, praying about your uh, the sins that we had, repenting, whatever, interpreting dreams, whatever. You may spend all that time and not hear from God. That doesn't mean that he's not going to speak. He picks up these conversations to me whenever he wants. I don't even know what's on his mind until he starts talking, and then it's like, wow, you hear every word I say, don't you? You know? (laughs) Yes, he does. Okay. So it's not, it's just like, okay, I want to set this right, too. People say you shouldn't speak in tongues in church unless you know there's an interpreter, and then the interpretation needs to come right then. That's not how that works. Interpretation does come. If the tongues are public, They will always come. It may not be, I have the interpretation of that. It may not be that. That interpretation may come from um, a speech or a song or in the service. It may come to you as you're driving home. See, you can't keep the Holy Spirit to a legalistic definition. The Holy Spirit does as he wills. But I know what what Paul was talking about. He was trying to keep order in the church because everybody was blasting out with tongues that was just too confusing to everybody okay so that's another lesson but i just want you to know that just because somebody doesn't say now i have that interpretation that there wasn't one okay and our responsibility is lord what's the interpretation speak to me I'm not worried about is he speaking to everybody speak to me i heard of tongues i don't it, that should be an interpretation what is it for me Okay, so secondly, continue to fast from empty entertainment, sleep, or busyness. Well, how long do you need to do that? Somebody asked me that. I said, well, a good idea is until you break through the habitual slavery to gravity. The metaphorical gravity, but you know what I mean. Okay, <laughs> the, the, the gravity, the earth-boundedness, the earthiness, yeah, the, uh, the hold of earth over us, the hold of Babylon over us, you know, uh, drudgery and toil. Well, that's a great thing to to fast until you get you get freedom you get you get um released from the strictures of time and space and gravity faith in god or all time all space okay um and better fellowship with god and another level of intimacy that's how long we should do it and eventually you'll give up almost all entertainment because it won't satisfy you it has nothing for you continue to record everything you see or hear uh Deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29 was a great verse. Scott brought that up last week at the end of the time about searching out uh, the things that God gives you in Proverbs 25, 2, the same. Next week we'll look at tools to do that and how to go about that. Now the big one on uh, D, participate in the Holy Spirit's purification of your heart. Okay, we're going to put our finger on a certain sin for the next several in my mind. Okay, so these are ones that the Lord... I had to get me clear of in order to really receive and to be, um, to be ready as bride. So we're going to look at pride. Pride is sneaky. We can have pride uh, and never know it because we're prideful about whether or not we have pride. <laughs> okay. So these are all the synonyms for pride. Hidden pride is comparison, comparing ourselves to someone else, elevating ourselves over another, gossip, slander, ambition, jealousy, and anger. All have roots in pride. And then you see this list. Okay, so there's a lot of little things that may hit you. So as you read prayerfully through this list of synonyms, you ask the Lord, is there anything on this list that you want me to pray about? If he never puts anything down, pray the general prayer against pride anyway, because the devil is trying to make sure you have it. I guarantee you. There's a no doubt there. That's something we all deal with, okay? And if we have dealt with it, it's coming around again because it's such a good trap. The enemy won't stop that. Is it there illegally? Yes, it is probably. But you know what? Criminals do illegal things, and that's who he is. He's a criminal, okay? you got to catch him and kick him out. That's your responsibility, right? Um, Okay, so... I listened to Jennifer Evaz and Ronnie Evaz, and they have a church in Turlock, California. She's, a, she's a, just a wonderful, you know, emerging prophet with a lot of uh, spiritual insight, and, and really, she, can, she does a real good job of changing lives and transformation. But she said that in their church, they would hire new pastors, and one after the other would fall to some kind of sin, one after the other. And usually there was a root of pride. And so she, she worked at, this is now her protocol, she gets a list like this, and she gives it to the new hire. She says, "Pray through this. If anything speaks to you, we're having deliverance." So the guy, the guy or gal has to go. Well, I do struggle with this, you know. Like, okay, good. Come on in. We're going to have your deliverance, and they cast those demons out, so they can keep their pastor. <laughs> Is that amazing? I said, "Oh, wow. That's pretty proactive. That's not reactive. That's proactive. <laughs> you know, they're not going to let anything in there that pride can spiral into." And usually it was a sexual sin, you know. That's pretty devastating to a church if your pastor goes that way, you know. So um, they just go at, go after it from the very beginning, you know. I love it. This is not this is not a criticism of our character. This is an arrest of the enemy. He does this to everybody, everybody. Nobody is unique and special because of how much sin you have. We all have this same stuff, okay? So uh, I do include this very, very lengthy prayer because it is all the scriptures, probably all the significant scriptures on pride, and it is is voiced in uh, thanking God that you are free from those things, okay? That's the actual, I'm actually going to make that, Scott, how about that? I think I am. So it actually, and then you don't have to look up all the scriptures for yourselves. You know what I mean? That's why I love prayer books. I carry three different ones in my Kindle. I carry, um, I wrote them down here at the very back. I carry prayers that route demons and break curses by John Eckhart in my Kindle. I carry prayers that shake heaven and earth by Dan Duvall. And I carry visual uh, violent prayers to disgrace stubborn prophets problems by Ola Koya. And the whole reason is because they have already gathered all the scripture and put it into a prayer the other thing is sometimes does this ever happen to you sometimes the devil steals my tongue I can't think of the words to say I can't get the prayer out it's an attack I can't come against because I it's got me I don't know shut down or weird something is weird about it anybody had that experience you really are trying to put it together and address something and it's just you're not able to get there. So I, I go right to that book. Oh, Pride? Mm-hmm. I can just read it and drive them out. Because it deba- depends on what's in your heart, right? What's in your heart. You don't have to share anything about pride next week, but we really got to get it clear. Because if not, there's a whole host of demons that will slide right down that pipe with it. You know? Um, and you just, the scripture that the Lord was dealing with me on for uh, a year and a half. I met with two friends from my school. I was a principal, they were teachers. We got together and we were praying. God led us into repentance from sin literally every time we got together. We weren't even trying to do it, but He was trying to bring purity into our hearts so He could do something with us, right? And show us things and reveal things to us. Every, literally every time we got together, somebody had been convicted of a sin and it got to where he got really deep And the scripture he used for me was when jesus told the disciples before he died he said the evil one is coming or the enemy is coming but he will find nothing in me you've been listening to behold i tell you a mystery with laurie unruh Until next time, I pray that you embrace and enjoy your never-ending conversation with the Godhead.